Hello and welcome to Season 5 of Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. You've done it. You've made it. It's 2021. We have made it through 2020. I almost feel like saying the king is dead, long live the king, because we have made it through those 12 months of a weird Jumanji board game. But nonetheless, we've made it through the other side, and we have two months of just incredible episodes lined up for you here for Season 5. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. We always like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Croqueta Strength, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. You already know the best ammonia in the game is straight from Steve at Skull Smash with his new Formula 420 up on their site. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull, you need that added grip. Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is less mess, it's no stress, and it's the highest quality chalk in the game. If you're looking for a team that's going to stand by you through all the ups and downs, shoot a DM over to the Croqueta Strength on Instagram. And for your trouble, take 10% off template programming when you subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of mine and so many other athletes' training. You can head over to any of those Instagram pages to get some products. To kick off Season 5, I have the great pleasure of having UK author and philanthropist David Raman, whose new book, Let It Go, is launching internationally on Amazon this week. So looking forward to talking mentality, self-love, and the just importance of self-belief over the course of the next hour or so. We are so fired up to get this out to you. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. David, Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Thank you. Thank you, Moses. Really great to be on. Happy New Year to you, too. So, uh, you know, we were chatting right before the show, just kind of a little bit. It's been a quiet year, I think, for a lot of people. The, the holidays have been a little bit more subtle than probably the usual raucous kind of home alone in New York kind of vibe. But I think yeah. it's been I think it's been rejuvenating. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, uh, it's a time of re- reflection, really. The, the world has been on pause and I'd like to think we're moving forward slowly. Um, yeah, it's time to reflect and uh, a different type of new year, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, for you, you've got a big year ahead. You've got a book coming out. I, I think it's already out in the UK. It's coming out in the US here in February. So kind of on the front end before we get into it, you know, what what's the book? What are we expecting? Yeah, um, the, the book is called Let It Go. Uh, and it's it's called Let It Go: How to Stop Your Path Through a Your Future. And it it basically talks about. If somebody asked me the other day, "What's it basically about?" And I said, "It's it's basically about freedom, being able to think differently, you know, um, and not be shackled by old beliefs that you know, you feel I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm I'm not worthy." And it it it's chock a block full of tools to help you try and break free of what's potentially yourself sabotaging you know so mm-hmm. it's a result of many years of just working with people and delivering courses and i try to distill it down into a format so people can help themselves yeah yeah because i know you know kind of as i've gotten to know you, you do a lot of motivational speaking kind of classes and all that so so what started kind of this journey of pursuing, kind of helping people get this freedom, even from themselves? Mm. A long time ago, I, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I 
I suffered, look, looking back now, I wasn't diagnosed, but I, I know I suffered depression. Uh, and I was, I was unhappy. Even though I presented a face that was happy, uh, I never believed in myself. That was just the start, you know. And when you get to college and you look around and everyone appears to be confident except you, I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then, then that started my journey, really. That started my journey of um, really trying to find out who I was because, you know, I, you, you just question yourself growing up, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is back in the 80s. I'm just questioning myself. Why the fuck am I not um, – what? Why am I not, not normal? Everyone seems to be able to make right. sense. You know? Right. Yes. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And, and uh, it was a exciting but horrible time because I wanted to make new friends, but I just didn't know how. There's no handbook for it, you know, in, in school and in college or with parents. And my parents were austere parents. So, yeah, it was it was a austere upbringing full of love, but it was, it was quite strict and – yeah, into my 20s, I had dark thoughts. I'll admit I had dark thoughts, and what am I doing here? Um, so, so yeah, and, and I started to then think about how to help myself. And I wasn't I wasn't a coach at that time. I was working as a, an optometrist, you know, um, doing the eyes. And But I was always thinking about people. I was always obsessed with how do I help people. So that's when it started, the journey, you know, um, journey of, how do I help myself first? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I was chatting with uh, another guest we have on this season, a uh, power lifter back in Georgia. And, and we were even talking in the midst of all the, the world events going on right now. Uh, and, you know, just yesterday, you know, what happened with the U S Capitol mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people who feel very passionately about a lot of different stuff, yeah. but they, they look at the big picture instead of starting with what's going on in themselves. And we were just saying, you know, for anything to happen, any change, it has to start individually because by the time you go to a big scale, mm. I mean, the damage is done. You know, you, you got to start here. You got to start in the house. Mm. And so what I'm hearing here is it really was just, you're like, man, I got to do some introspection before I can even hope to help other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you want to help other people, you just make sure you can help yourself first. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, when I help people, it's not just tools and techniques I, I've learned and developed. It's, I've been through it. Yeah. So if they, they, they have, if they have anxiety, I've been there. If they have trauma, I've been there. Um, so, yeah, and that's when I just, I, I always knew that I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how. So I started going about looking into it. Yeah. So I, I guess as, as you, you know, began kind of doing a little bit more introspection, a little more study, you know, what would you say was kind of that pivotal point where you're like, man, you know, I'm so grateful I've been able to really find some change that I feel like I'm in a place where I can push people. What was that point and what did it look like for you to start that journey, especially for those who may want to pursue a similar kind of ideology of life coaching and encouragement? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was around the time of the end of the millennium and um, beginning of the new millennium and I'd come home after another um, night out, you know, inebriated and just feeling feeling um, pathetic, feeling not good enough, and feeling um, my life is a waste. Even though I was earning good money, I was not thinking, what am I doing? So I started to look up, you know, things online as to, I knew I was interested in psychology, but what would I want to do? So it was actually, you know, sit down, what am I going to do? So I started 
it wasn't Google, because there was no Google around that time. I think it was Yahoo or something. And mm-hmm. uh, I came up with various options, uh, uh, psychotherapy, psychiatrists, but nothing appealed. You've got to go with your heart. What's going to appeal to you? And then this life coaching thing came up. What's this life coaching thing? And I, it just seemed to resonate. And then suddenly I thought, right, okay, and this is around 2000. And then 2003, my son was born. My father passed on. It was, it was like just simultaneous um, things happening in my life. You know, trauma, my father passing, and then the birth of my, my son. I, I knew I, I've got to do something. I've got to make a change. And that's when I decided I'm going to study coaching, become a coach. And that was frightening in itself because um, it's change, isn't it? Change can be frightening. Yeah, of course. And that was the pivotal point, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had a friend in college who uh, was knew he wanted to pursue life coaching, you know, and, and, and I think – and I'll even admit, you know, he was 19 at the time. So we're like, okay, all right, dude, like you're 19. Like maybe, maybe get a little bit older before you want into, but, but that idea of, yeah, you know, this is bigger than myself. You know, I'm not the center of the universe. I like when I die, when I'm born, a lot of things happen before I was born. A lot of things are going to happen after I die. Like I want to make the most of the 80, 90, hundred, whatever years that I have here on earth, you know, and I think it, it's a noble pursuit. And I think it's one that, is a very specific type of person that's designed for it. And it sounds like you've really been able to capitalize on that. Mm, yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm just, I was just born to do what I'm doing. I'm living on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody asked me yesterday, what is purpose? I said, well, you feel you, you wake up, you feel alive, and you're contributing, serving, and you're doing what you love doing. So, um, yeah, and when I first started coaching, I was still working as an optometrist because, obviously, the drop in income would have been too big. And so I sort of started coaching for free anyway to learn the craft, mm-hmm. uh, to learn how to be good at it. Because obviously in any profession, there's good and not so good. So I wanted to be good. And I didn't feel good enough anyway. So I wanted to do it for free. Um, and I started doing it. And then um, I remember starting to charge. By, to find, I used to feel guilty. Um, but then you just get you just get good at something when you, when you put your heart into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and obviously it's led now to in 2021 the launch of this book. It's mm-hmm. gone international, US, UK. Let it go. So I mean, let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. when did you know that it was time to to bring out this book? What was the the motivation for this to to launch? Yeah, great question. Um, well, back in 2014, I started doing a lot of workshops um, in UK and before that, but I started getting recognition from the UK government, and I started doing some workshops with so many people, and the results were so good um, that people were coming into these workshops with a multitude of problems, uh, from anxiety, stress, depression, low moods, trauma. Um, But because it was content-led, they didn't have to discuss their problems. So I was just delivering content week after week on these courses, and people were were changing. So in around 2015, I started thinking about... um, what can I do with this course to get to more people? So then I distilled it down into uh, a book. So it's taken about five years to put it together, you know, wow. uh, and to get it just just to get it good enough so that people will be able to use it as a tool to help themselves. Yeah. So that's how I started. Yeah. 
Man, that's awesome. And, and I know right in the beginning, you know, you said, you know, this is a book that you should be able to go back to over and over and over again. You know, that it, it isn't meant, don't just read the book and then just get rid of it. Be like, okay, I read it. I'm done. I know everything now. Like <laughs> I've escaped any trauma I've ever had. No, like it's something you go back to. And, you know, I think that's, that's really important to be able to create something that people can engage with time and time again and develop mm-hmm. off of yes. is a whole nother level of engagement than just something that you're just going to read once off and, and let go of. I'm hoping they do, and I'm hoping that they're um, in the book right at the end. It suggests that to get an accountability partner, buddy, so that you both have the book and then go back through it and go back through the exercises because the book is loaded with exercises uh, and tips and tools so that you can just go back to any chapter and, and use that, you know, it's, as reminders. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. Should we say I, I am pleased with it? Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the topics I love and just kind of the portion I was reading, you know, is this idea of the, of the, when you're stuck, you know, of, of so frequently we, we just put ourselves into a box and frequently it's because of our own limited like self-belief. You know, it, there's no other extenuating forces. Mm. It's literally just for whatever reason we've put on blinders. Mm. And so you kind of chat about, you know, preventing the I'm stuck mentality. Mm. So I know, especially coming off of a year like 2020, mm. a lot of people, you know, may not have jobs, maybe mm. fighting financial stuff. I know divorce rates are going, there's a lot you can look at and be mm. like, wow, like I'm stuck down here. Mm-hmm. How, how do people get out of that? What are just some of those basic tips to, to break out? Mm. Well, the first thing is to realize that um, stuck is stuck is a mindset, you know, and it's also a feeling because you have this feeling of what now, and you have the start. You have this feeling of uncertainty. What the heck's going to go on? So your your marriage might be crumbling, or you might have lost your job and your business, and then this this thinking of it's future future based because you're thinking, how am I going to get out of this? You're asking yourself all these questions. What's going to happen? We're going to afford the mortgage. Uh, and the in, in the book, it talks about control. Because when we don't feel in control, Moses, we start to feel anxious. That's mm-hmm. the point. Uh, and, and at that point, you have to think about, ooh, what am I going to do? So I would always say that make sure that your daily routine, keep the daily routine going. So I would say morning routines are very important. So when you wake up in the morning, some people are saying, oh, I'm waking up in my pajamas uh, and I'm, going to work, so should we say, in, in the house, you know? And I would say still wake up, still put your clothes as if you're going to work. Get that semblance of normality in the house because at the moment it's all about adaptation. It's mm-hmm. difficult. There's no Nobody can make promises to anyone. But it's about adapting to the time. So um, if, you're, if you're out of work, if you're not in work at the moment – don't despair. Focus on getting something moving, whether it be um, looking at options for starting an online business or looking for other jobs. But don't give up hope. Keep moving forward because there are, there's, there's plenty of people who are going to give up. But you don't give up. Whoever's out there, you know, watch this. Don't give up. Just keep going because that with that attitude, because I always believe with attitude, it's something that will bring you your rewards eventually. So I'm, I'm always thinking about be persistent. And don't give up, you know, um, in this in this time. It's really easy to give up. It really is easy. And I always think about, you know, there's many, many stories in history where people didn't give up, succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those times where I think in, in years to come, people are going to look back and think, I didn't give up. Yeah, I would love people to, to take that message away. Yeah. 
You know, there. Uh, I was watching a, a movie clip. One of my favorites is The Pursuit of Happiness. You know, oh, Will, right. Smith. Yeah, Will Smith. And you know, he he shows up to that that final interview. You know, he, he'd been arrested for parking tickets. He's got like paint all over him. Mm. And I mean, this this dude has been sleeping in a bathroom with his son. You know, and just that that ending of just the perseverance paying off. You know, and him just kind of slipping back into the group of people in New York, and just he's just sobbing because he's like, man, mm. I did it. You know, it took, I may have felt humiliated at points. I may have felt embarrassed, but like mm. I put in the work yes. and, and I think there's so many people just, they know it's right over the edge, but mm. like they just, they don't, they can't see the sun quite yet and they give up. Mm. Uh, you know, that, that other story of, of the swimmer who I think it was the English channel and mm. she was going to swim across the English channel mm. and she finally gave up. It was so cold mm. and she was like a hundred meters from the shore, mm. you know? And, and so it's that idea of just, Hey, put in the work, like just keep, keep going, keep trying, find a new Avenue. Mm. Cause there's so much success and so much happiness to be found with that. That's right. I mean, people just, they stop just before finishing line and don't stop. Just, just keep going. There are many, many people who have um, proved in history. Look at Dyson, Mr. Dyson, who invented the Bacchus Hoovers and all the, the air dryers. I mean, he was told to, you know, to F off by all the big companies like Electrolux and, and Hoover he just almost went bankrupt, but he just said, no, I, I believe in this project, even though no one else believed in it, I believe in it. And look where Dyson is now. And the guy lives in a $14 million house, apparently, you know, in New York. He's, <laughs> He's done something right. Yeah. <laughs> he was that, that close from bankruptcy, but he just didn't give up. And I, I truly believe you. People told me at the beginning, what are you doing being this life coach? You know, what way are you going to get clients? What is a life coach? And if I'd listened to people, and they meant well, these were friends and family, if I'd listened to them, then I'd still be an optometrist, you know, which is all with all respect to optometrists, you know, that's great, it's a great career, but it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. You just got to follow your, I also say, follow your gut instinct. You know, that we've got this, this, you know, this two pound object in our brain, in our head called the brain, and it, it's, it's very active, and then our heart is very emotional. But this other part of us, which is like, it's it's connected to something else. Mm. And this connection is something which I have always followed. Follow your gut feeling, that invisible connection, this force that we have that I think a lot of people ignore. I mean, it would be good for somebody perhaps watching this who perhaps is going through a very hard time to What's your gut feeling? What's your gut instinct? Close your eyes and take a deep breath and just ask yourself a, a question such as what What should I do now? What could I do now? Um, what, what's my truth? And, and see what your gut says. And if it doesn't say straight away, it will. It will. You could be in the shower and something comes up, an idea comes up. So I always say to, that, uh, to people, we've got three centers of intelligence. Mm. And listen to them. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something there that, you know, even as you were considering kind of moving forward from being an optometrist, you know, if you would listen to your family kind of that front end, you'd still be doing that. And while it's a great profession, it just wasn't for you. Um, you know, one of the guys that I follow very closely is Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, out of VaynerMedia, you know, yeah. just love what he's putting out. Just, this is the same thing of, hey, go for it. And a lot of what he talks about is about adolescence, early 20 something. And I know this is something you wrote about as well. It's just the importance of adolescent development and the influence yeah. that the parents have. Uh, you know, I love my parents to death, 
similar concept and, and we've had a lot of healing over the last few years but once again you know as i grew up in ireland those who listen if you didn't know that already I grew up in ireland you know there was a lot of i felt at least a lot of influence of the direction i should be going and the way i should be doing things and i went a different way i became a power lifter now when i was in high school i was like i don't know 180 pounds maybe six foot like i wasn't small but i mean i was still a decent size Four years later, I'm 280 pounds and six to, you know, I'm lifting weight. So like completely different, but I wonder if you could talk into a little bit of just kind of what that relationship, you know, the importance for adolescents, one is they kind of look forward to what they're doing and the impact that parents can have both positively and negatively just in their kids' growth. Absolutely. I mean, then usually from the age of zero to seven, it's, where we are ruled by our parents in terms of all our beliefs come from our parents and mm-hmm. um, whatever we see, if you know, the grass is green, the, the, the sky is blue, we get all these beliefs from our parents, whether they're good or bad, you believe it. And then, uh, and then you get into that stage of school where the teacher has so much influence over you that, because that's where you spend most of your, most of your childhood, in school, mm-hmm. the daily, and you're influenced by your peers, but you're influenced by the teacher. And the teacher can say something, a throwaway comment, such as, you know, you're not as good as your your sister was in math. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you suddenly feel not good enough. And these little sort of throwaway comments you store in your mental backpack, they can weigh you down. And then by mm-hmm. 16, you might have this feeling of, well, I'm not I'm not smart enough, you know, or I'm maybe I'm not I'm not good enough to go to college. And then you start doubting yourself. But not only that, then it can feed into your personal relationships of not feeling good enough and feed into your friendships. And then you become perhaps introverted or sh- overly shy and you don't go for positions later in life that you may have wanted to go for, but you don't feel good enough. So I, I, in the book, I call it the stick of rock effect. Like if you, if you go to a seaside resort, you buy a stick of rock candy, and then mm-hmm. you cut it. Say it's Brighton Rock. Wherever you cut it, you'll see the word Brighton in it. You know, mm-hmm. somebody might have in their need for validation, or people pleaser, you know, or a procrastinator in there. And that's those behaviors are often found as a result of things that have happened earlier in life, and they've just developed into a pattern. You know, we have this pattern. So, yeah, adolescence years before the age of twenty so important and these days obviously it's social media Facebook, instagram people are comparing their lives against others which when i grew up there was no social media so really you just obviously you compare the people in your class but now it's international you compare you compare your life against someone in brazil or australia and it's Mm. it's so destroyed when you see these teenagers because i work with obviously uh, with a spectrum of people including teenagers and a lot of teenagers are out there just dying inside because they're overly comparing themselves against others and then having a problem with fear of missing out, FOMO, they call it, isn't it? And mm-hmm. depression, it's, it's, it's out there. And yeah, I mean, I would love to take this material and take, take coaching into schools and make it part of the curriculum so that it's more mainstream, you know, so when the shit hits the fan, Teenagers will know how to deal with it. Yeah. You know, I, I had a teacher in secondary school who uh, told me my, you know, fifth year, you know, as, as I was starting to apply to, to colleges back in the States and, mm. 
And she said, Moses, I don't think you're going to go to college. Mm. And, you know, I, I wasn't like not good at school. I just didn't know how to adjust to the, you know, the change in the Irish curriculum. And she told me that she didn't think I was really going to amount to anything. Mm. Three years later, uh, I'm in a full ride to go to a private institution in the United States. Mm. And I went back to visit my parents. They're still in Ireland. I went back and I visited her and I showed her my, uh, transcript from my freshman year in which I had a 4.0 GPA. Mm. And I said, I just want you to know that you were wrong. You know, and, and we were able to have, you know, kind of this moment of reconciliation where she apologized. But yeah. that moment really what even though it was probably a passing comment first, she probably didn't think anything of it. Yeah. It was just such a formative thing for 16, 17 year old Moses. Yeah. Like there, there's a person in position of authority right now telling me I'm a failure. Yeah. You know, and like what does that do to a kid? Like that just it's soul crushing. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to let this keep me down. Like, I'm not getting stuck here. Absolutely. I got, I got a chip on my shoulder now. Like, I got to prove something. Mm. And so I've gone on to, um, you know, people who know me well know that I, I work with teenagers as well. So a lot of what I do is working with kids. Mm. And I, because I've had those negative formative experiences, I'm like, I want every single one of these kids to know that I'm going to love them. And I'm going to care for them. And I'm going to push them in whatever is one of the, whatever they want to do. Like, whether it's sport or business or religion, whatever it is. Go, go experience, you know, and, and I think it's some, we just need more people in positions of authority and teaching and guidance who there's encouragements, you know, and not as people who are trying to deconstruct what kids want to do. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. It's a, it's a, such an important position, isn't it? Being a teacher in life and, and for teachers to understand, I think maybe in the past when the teachers were learning to be teachers, there wasn't a much work done on emotional connection or emotional intelligence when it mm. came, came to teaching kids and uh, teenagers. But I think it's better these days because they're more wary of what's going on than, than previous days. But obviously the damage is done to previous generations, you know, and even now there's, um, it's not perfect, the system, far from it. But I think it's up to people like us to help reconfigure the education system so that it's far far more flexible and adaptable to children's needs because everyone learns differently. And Mm -hmm. you've got to realize that. And, you know, you mentioned there, you know, just even, I mean, we think 20 years ago, I mean, social media just wasn't a thing. You had a big, you know, kind of block desktop computer that weighed like 50 pounds Mm -hmm. and, you know, extended two feet off the desk, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, now we've got these supercomputers in our hands. Mm. People can access TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Twitter. I mean, mm. there's a social media platform for anything. Mm-hmm. As a life coach, mm. what has been the most dramatic shift that you've seen just mm. in people's mental health, mm. especially with the increased consumption mm. of just spending time on their phones and doing the, kind of that comparison game? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, people are so easy, easily distracted, mm-hmm. uh, they're unable to focus, uh, and the the number of minutes that somebody can actually focus and concentrate has decreased massively over the years. Mm-hmm. These stats with me, but compared to say when um, pre-social media days to now, people have what is something like a four to six second attention span as they're scrolling. If they don't catch you with the first four seconds of a video, they're gone. Uh, and people's expecting they want they wanted everything done now. And I think that I was thinking about this word today, um, which I need more of. You know, I'll admit it, it, it patience. Mm. I'm becoming more patient as a person. Uh, and people are far more impatient these days than ever before. And, and impatience 
if you think about the the energy of the word, it's quite negative. It's quite a negative word as as opposed to patience, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when you feel impatient, you feel anxious. And I think that's what you what you're finding out these days is um, with technology. It's obviously it's brilliant. It it allows you to share so much, to to um, see so much, but it's causing a lot of uh, anxiety and it's causing a lot of distraction, lack of focus, lack of concentration, and people aren't satisfied as a result because they want everything now. So they might watch a little bit of Netflix, go onto YouTube, but they're not consistent. And I think people aren't consistent, and I think that's then seeping into you know, relationships, friendships. They can't even have a conversation without picking up up their phone and looking at at their phone. So we've had conversations with other people. We might have done it, picking up the phone and thinking, what are you doing? Put the phone Mm. down. But if if we walked into, say, a Starbucks in in the normal times and you saw a group of people sitting there, more than likely they've all got their phone in front of them. Mm -hmm. Or having a conversation with their friends around the table Plus, they've got this distraction, this massive distraction in front of them, which means they're never in the moment, mm-hmm. never truly in the moment. And if you, I remember doing this for the first time with a workshop with a group of individuals, and I said to them, listen, I want you all to switch your phone off. I mean, switch it off, not the airplane. A few of them got anxious. Mm. A few of them immediately got anxious. What, what do you mean switch my phone off? I'll switch your phone off. And they started to feel anxious. And one of them said, you know, listen, I might have a call from someone. Who? I might have a call. So it's that formal thing kicking in, you know? So you can feel the anxiety from people because it's like the equivalent of cutting a leg off. Because as you said, said earlier on, we have a supercomputer, far more powerful than anything which took a rocket to the moon. So in our hands, and it's so it's got so much information, it captures us and People are at the mercy of the agenda of other people purely through notifications. If you've got your notifications switched on, then you are you are no longer free. Yeah. You know, when I was flying back from Ireland just, you know, a few days ago, and it was a long day of travel. I mean, to get back to Salt Lake City from Ireland, I mean, it was a 23-hour day, you know, mm-hmm. just flight, layover and flight. Wow. And I was sitting in the Dublin airport. And I was waiting, you know, to, to board the plane. And, and I wanted to make a point that I wanted to spend some more time reading on the flight mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, watching movies. And so I've been re- reading this book called uh, Essentialism by Greg McKeown, another, uh, you know, British author. And, you know, I just happened to, to look up and every single person around me was on their phone. Mm-hmm. No, there wasn't a single other person reading a book, having a conversation. They were all on their phone. And now I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite here. I, I'm the same person. Don't get me wrong. But it was just kind of the stark reminder. And I'm like, what happened to just engaging with others? Now, obviously, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now. People are scared of engaging with anyone. But it was just this reminder that I'm like, man, like we, we're all missing it. Like We're all missing out on life because we'd rather just be at this 30-degree angle looking down mm-hmm. instead of looking up. And the opportunities that are ahead of us, the people we could meet, you know what it is? It's just, it's so wild. So this morning, 
just about an hour before we got on, you know, I, I realized how much time I just waste on TikTok because especially since that's just blown up. And I finally, I was like, I'm deleting it. I'm getting rid of it. Like I, I don't need it. I waste time. I could be spending this energy doing something else. And so I was like, man, I'm going to cut it out. And I'm going to be honest. I, a couple times I've gone to my phone, like instinctively to like go look at it. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> I do not need this back on the phone, you know, but it is, it's amazing how fast our brains are rewired to just this idea of immediate gratification. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, our brains are neuroplastic. And as soon as we get this habit formed, you, you don't even know you're doing it. You're picking up the phone. You're doing it for the sake of it. In the end, you're thinking, and you know, I've seen friends and I've done it. We just check our phone. And it's because it's like a reflex. It's become like a reflex, just picking it up and with a particular hand and particular thumb or finger. And it's something which the only way to break through that is to, to number one, you're aware of it. Number two, you acknowledge it. It's either helping you or it's not helping you or self-sabotaging your, um, your business, your relationship, whatever. And then three, you decide, well, I'm going to take action. I have to take action. I have to let go of whatever this is causing me because it's causing me pain at the end of the day. It's, it, um, I'm having serious fallouts with my partner or my wife, my husband. So you've got to look at the impact of that. And I think um, it really is up to the individual. You can't tell someone what to do because they, until the shit hits the fan, they don't really do anything about it. Yeah. Well, another thing you kind of mentioned in the book, you know, and, and this is, of course, Nelson Mandela as well, is the idea of being the master of your own destiny, mm. you know. And so I wonder, you know, as we go into 2021, mm. what are some practical, you know, steps people can really be taking to seize? I mean, seize this year by the balls to really just say, hey, 2021's the year I change everything because the only person that can make this change is me. I would look past 2021. I would look at uh, your five-year goals. Look at your biggest goals you can think of, you know, 10-year goals. So I'm thinking about my future books. So if I just use myself as an example, I'm thinking about um, <clears throat> I'm thinking about traveling the world, uh, teaching, transforming, speaking to people like yourself, helping people, and then move on to the next country. Whether that happens this year or, or not is, is uh, you know, it's not, out to, not in my control. So I've come to peace with that. So I think the first thing is, you know, come to peace with you may not achieve everything you want to this year, but it's a platform. So you're either going to be frozen in time and at the mercy of what's going on and just and do nothing or start looking at what is your next five to ten year goals and then work backwards. What needs to be done? So you might be thinking, I want to start a business. I'm unemployed. I want to start a business. You don't know what. So start thinking about it. Get it out of your head. Get out your head and write down exactly what you love in life. Uh, wherever you are this year, look at it as an opportunity to reset. And you can take it, take it by the balls. Look, look at it. What, what, what did you fail to do last year? What do you want to do this year? What's in your grasp? What's possible? Because not everything's in your control. You know, you can't set up a shop somewhere, a store somewhere, because there's no one to come to at the moment, you know? Mm. in the UK. Well, what you can do is plan what you want to do. Do, do what's in your control at the moment. So then plan out. I mean, I think I'm, I'm positive and opt optimistic that we're going to come out of this. I mean, in the UK, yeah, they started the vaccination program. Mm. It started. We have to do something. And I know that I'll, I know that if I want to travel in the future, the likelihood is I'm going to have to be vaccinated if I like it or not. So it's going to have to happen. So I've come to peace with that. So look at, look at your life. 
Um, look at your relationships. Take stock of that. Look at your, your finances. Look at um, your ultimately your goals. So what's your what? How would you like to be feeling in December 2021? Mm. And, and I, I would ask yourself, people can write um, what's called the red button essay. Press a button and imagine that you're waking up and it's December 2021. What have you achieved this year? What have you achieved? It, you've lost the weight because you want to lose the weight in your body. Is it that you've created this new diet that you can follow? Do look at one aspect of your life you'd like to improve this year and, and really run with it. And other things will come off that. Come up, there'll be an offshoot off that. Is it that you want to you want to improve your relationship? What have you got to do? What is it, well, you want to find a relationship? It's going to be difficult in this time, but what can you do? So look at I would I would use this year as a reset year. A reset year where you can jump into what you want to do that you didn't achieve in 20, 2020. But look at it as a five year mission. When we look at it as a mission, it creates this fire in our belly. And I would love people to out there to think, right, what do I want to do this year? What do I choose to do? Uh, and understand that nothing is certain, nothing is in our control except how we feel about ourselves. And, and even if I turned up at the end of this year having sold no books, no one read my book, I've done something about it. I've got to the end of the year, and I think, and I'll be happy. My happiness is not dependent on anyone reading my book. I come to peace with that, you know? You know, and you've already partially answered this. And, you know, the, this kind of last question I have on the book is this idea of when things go wrong. You know, I, I was reading uh, another book. I'm, I'm trying to remember what her name was, but it's uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary, uh, Tish Warren, as you wrote it. And she uses these everyday images for ways that we, we see ourselves. And she talks about losing keys that she goes, it's amazing how much we can feel in control until we lose our car keys. Mm. And as soon as you lose your car keys, Hey, did you move my keys? Did you take it? Like where, you know, how quickly everything unravels. And, you know, we as humans, because we are used to, especially, you know, living in more of a, a first world and a Western country, both in the UK and in the U S mm. of just being used to this convenience. And so ultimately things are going to go wrong. Like we can't control everything. Things are going to go wrong. When that ultimately happens, mm. what do we do? What mm. what's the what how do we reframe that into instead of a roadblock, mm. just maybe a detour? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean always said to I always said ask somebody to set their mind up for failure, for things not being controlled. Mm. You know, there's a in, in the book there's a collection of power statements. Uh, um, power statements are uh, little statements where you put them on post-it notes. And they can literally change your mindset from the inside out. Because if you think about it in reverse, somebody might be saying to themselves a disempowering statement, which is, I'm not good enough. No, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Um, I'm not smart enough. Those are disempowering statements. And people naturally do that. So mm -hmm. one of the power statements you can use is, you can't control what you can't change. And you can't change what you can't control. So get that on a post note and put it up there. Because when you see it every day, you'll understand when these roadblocks happen, it's okay. Relax. Because contr all control is, a roadblock is that you've come to a place which is not in your control potentially. Patience comes into it. And life has a way of working it itself out for you. Because if we think about, if I challenge anybody to think about what are the things that you've worried about in your life 
that have actually come true or what percentage has come true. Mm -hmm. Psych science, psychology have found that it's between 5 and 10%. That means you're, you're, 90, you're up to 95% of the things that you're worried about actually don't come true if you look back at your life. And that's based on studies um, all around the world. So I'm thinking about all things that I, I, the roadblocks I've had in my life. So you get to a roadblock. It's how you, it's, it then comes down to your attitude towards it, which is do you blame, complain, judge, criticize yourself, let alone someone else, or do you look for solutions? Because we have to think about a lot of people say, oh, I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the friends. It's not about the resources, it's about how resourceful you can be at that time. And we have enough resources to get to a roadblock, to get to a point where I'm always, I mean, getting this book out, to get a, to get a, to get a publisher is almost impossible these days, to get a publisher to believe in you. And yeah, I had roadblocks. Mm -hmm. I had doors in my, shut my face, but I didn't give up. And that's that, I always call, I call it the WIT, the WIT philosophy, do whatever it takes. If you think your dream is and is worth fighting for, worth going for, you will get past the roadblocks. You'll find. You'll, and I will say, when you get to when you get to a place where you are stuck, ask for help. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't ask for help, so ask for help. Look for help. You're going to be rejected many times. You know, there's many times people say, "I'll email you back. I'll find someone who's going to help you. I, I know someone," and they don't get back to you. Expect that. So I will say, I will say, expect failure. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It just shows you what's not working. There are other ways going around it. There's other ways going around it. If you if you haven't found a way, it just means you haven't found a way yet. Yeah. Man, that's so good. And, and especially going into this year. I mean, because I, I know like every single one of the listeners needs to hear that. I need to hear it. I mean, you need, we all need to get that reminder over and over. Is just every day is a new day. You have the exact same 24 hours. Well, you're not, hopefully you're not awake for the full 24. You have the same 12, 14, 15 hours every day to make a difference. And the only person's time you're wasting when you're not making a difference is yours. It's your decision, your prerogative, do whatever you're going to do. But ultimately, if you want to make something happen, you're going to make it happen. Yes. Yeah, 100%. We have um, – I was thinking that we, we've come to a position in our life because of all the decisions we've ever made. Every decision we've ever made has taken us this way, this way, this way, this way. Uh, and it's the clarity of thought and how we feel about ourselves which influences the decision. If we're in a bad mood, if we're in an angry mood, if we're in a blame, I'm blaming you, I'm complaining about you mood, it's conceivable that we'll make a bad decision about our career or our life. So it's up to us to get up every day and to look for that 1% movement forward we can do every day if we just move one percent forward in a hundred days it's a hundred percent that's huge you know so it's better it's better to do one percent every day than think i need to improve 25 percent a day because that's most days not possible yeah you know it's funny you mentioned that i tell every single athlete or client that i work with whenever they feel like they're not you know making huge amounts of progress or if they see another one of my guys you know competing and doing something big I say, are you 1% better than you were yesterday? In one aspect of your life, are you 1% better? And of course they're going to say, yeah, like in some element they are. I'm like, that's all I can ever ask for, you know? And so I use that image of every single person because it's it's the most simple 
way of just saying better yourself in just that little bit. And by the time you get to the end of the year, I mean, you're a totally new person. Yes. I mean, it's astronomically different. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And so many people out there, they they minimize themselves, Moses. They just mm-hmm. they put themselves down and, you know, I can put on social media. Sometimes we wouldn't talk to our pets the way we talk to ourselves. And That's true. Just to, just to think, you know, be kind to yourself. You're doing well. And, and I think it's good to just tap yourself on the back and to I, uh, there was a study done with uh, Harvard. It was called the Five Wins Theory. That the, at the end of every day, even if you just at the end of every day, just write down five things which went well for you every day. That's hundred and fifty things a month that you can look back and think. Oh, hold on, I I did quite well this month. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. But we, we're we're so sometimes consumed with what went wrong that day that everything that went right we ignore. Mm-hmm. So. For, for anybody out there watching this, to say, even just writing down five things which went right for you today and do it every day will help you transform your mindset. I mean, that was a study done in Harvard, and they found it very, very helpful, the people who actually went through that program. And years later, they were still doing it. Yeah. Some do, you don't have to write it. You can think it. Just sit there in your armchair at the end of the day and think it. What five things went, went right today? Um, I had a text from, from my best friend. I love that. I had a nice coffee this morning. Um, I heard a great song on the radio. Just five simple things that we can think went right for us. And life is good. It is. No, it really, really is. You know, every day that we spend above ground breathing is good. You know, and, you know, there's a guy who, uh, back when I did have TikTok that I followed, who's a mental health advocate. And he said, you know, you've made it through 100% of your worst days. You know, and, and it's true. You know, every bad thing that's happened to you, Yes. You have come out the other side. Yes. You are alive. You are breathing. And that's the biggest gift you can have. Huge. You know? Huge. Yeah. You know, and uh, we have to adapt. We can adapt. Okay, we can't send anyone. We can't hug anyone. We can adapt. We've got Zoom. Mm-hmm. We've got WhatsApp. We've got all these things that are disposal. Uh, you know, I, I personally, I, I'm in contact with a lot of my best friends quite often, you know, several times a week because I want that connection. I need it. So I'm not going to wait for them to contact me. I'll do it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, we've got to take charge. And I always think, don't wait for someone to take charge of your life. You take charge. Don't think about, oh, I called them last time. I'm going to wait for them to call me. Do it yourself. Let go of your hangups because I believe that if we take charge of our life, we stand a much higher chance of being happy long term. Absolutely. Well, you know, on the back end of the interview, you know, two of the final questions I love asking people is this question of faith and this question of French toast and food. So, you know, before we get to the food element, you know, before that, you know, the question I have for you is, you know, through through your journey of coaching and all, I wonder what role, if any, your own personal faith has played into just your perspective on the world in general. Yeah, generally. I mean, I'm a very spiritual person. Um, my parents are Muslims. I'm not a Muslim, but I, I know there's a greater force out there. And mm-hmm. I refer to that force, I refer to that person as God. Um, in terms of, in terms of um, spirituality, it's for me, it's this essence that we have. I always think of, of us as we have a mind, which is the bit I help people work on. We have a body and we have an essence of that connection, that deepest part of us, that higher source that we are connected 
we're all connected on this planet to something much bigger than us and to each other. And mm -hmm. when we're in service, there's nothing greater to see. You know, that's why that's why I'm in my game to help people raise their game. You know, and I, and that's the greatest for me. That's the greatest um, part of being alive. You know, helping someone else. It's 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 incredible. That's why I, I as when I said to you earlier on, connection is so important to me. Mm -hmm. with my own friends, you know. Um, so that's where where faith comes into it, and. Every single day, I will say to myself, um, every single day, trust the universe. Trust what's out there. That's one of my personal power statements. Trust the universe. I've got it by my bed. When I wake up, trust. And that is the one word. But I'm, I think I'm going to put up there next to it, um, patience, because mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to help me personally <laughs> and something else will do this time, you know? <laughs> yes. So, you, you know, it's it, it's – it's interesting, you know. I had a guest when when I was in school who who spoke at our kind of chapel, our convocation service, and he said, "How many of you guys personally know your great great grandparent?" Yeah. And I mean, you had the one kid randomly who's like, "Oh, I do," but like everyone else, is like, "No, like we don't." Yeah. And he said, "But how many of you have heard about what they had done with their lives?" Yeah. And much more people raised their hands, yeah. and they were like, "Well, at the end of the day, you know, just like I said at the beginning of the show." A lot of things happen before you were born. A lot's going to happen after you die. But the way that you're going to be remembered is by the people that you continue to pour into, you know, and the generations that are going to come. I think that's why working with especially children and teenagers is so important mm -hmm. because it's the next generation, you know, and if you can instill with them, within them, you know, that positive outlook, mm -hmm. two or three of them in that class of a hundred may continue to do that with the next one, you know, and that's all we can really do. Absolutely. Pass the message. Pass the message. Uh, and um, yeah, teach them what, what we know. Yeah, teach them what we know because I'd hope that I'm wiser than I was when I was twenty, so I can help a twenty-year-old um, see the world differently. It's up to them if they want to listen, though. Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is always, and there's a lot of freedom in releasing them to that and saying, "All that I can do is present you with what I know, right. and if you do something with it, okay, and if you don't." I gave you the information and yeah. it's out of my control. The problem is so many people want to give the info yeah. and then want to like force feed it down someone's throat and be like, take it, take it. They're like, no, I don't, I don't want it. You know? And, and so just presenting it and saying, this is what I have to offer. Mm. Accept it or not. It's up to you. Yeah. Based on experience, this is how it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, last uh, big question and a fan favorite is this idea of breakfast. I'm a huge breakfast fan. I will eat it at any time of day. I grew up on, you know, a full Irish. So I know what a good breakfast looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my question for you is what breakfast reigns supreme mm. and why? Um, yeah. Many breakfasts because it's my favorite breakfast. Brunch is my favorite of the day as well. I love it. I love eggs. I love eggs and, and egg fiend. Um, yeah. I mean, these days I love, um, I would have say um, sourdough toast, lots of butter, um, scrambled eggs, um, avocado, more eggs. Yeah, that, that's probably what I'm eating these days. Or bacon, bacon as well. Put some bacon on there. Yeah, I love all that. I just bloody love it. And it, yeah, it's also you know I I miss going out there and having brunch with friends and especially you know the weekends and just, just feel this energy. Mm -hmm. like, 
you know, I, I'm not a big drinker, and you know, but in the daytime when you're there, and it's just wonderful. Uh, I miss that. I miss it. But so we have indoor brunches now, you know. And make it. It is what you do. It is what you make of it right now, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is indeed. And I think there's a lot of people who become significantly better cooks over, yeah. over the course of the last 10 months yeah. because they realize they can't go out for those expensive dinners anymore if they can't get into a restaurant. Yes, there's going to be a lot of uh, creatives out there now, born in 2020. Yes, yeah. yes, truly. So we can expect a ton of great restaurants to start opening yeah. up because people realize their their yeah. inner abilities as a cook. So, so may I ask you, what's your favorite breakfast at the moment? Oh, my favorite breakfast at the moment. I have always loved smoked salmon, uh, mm-hmm. a bagel, and some cream cheese. That is just, that's that's it. And so every time I, I fly home to Ireland, oh. my mom has, you know, that fresh pack of smoked salmon, you know, caught right there. And it's just, oh, there's nothing better. Oh, it's just it. so good. It. Yes, you're right. Because if, if I didn't have bacon on there, there'd definitely be smoked salmon. It's got to be one or, one or the other on there. I love it. It's just such a good flavor. It's just so good. Yeah. Man, I feel like I'm going to end up going out and buying smoked salmon now after I, <laughs> I feel like I need to restock my friend. I love it. Oh. oh, David. Well, last thing I got for you, you know, you got the book coming out. Uh, where can people find it? What can they expect? And what's coming up for you this year? Thank you. The book's arrived. I mean, the box came the other day, so it's called Let It Go. Uh, how to stop your past in the future yeah they can get on amazon um it's available in the states for pre-order right now uh, it's available in the uk right now to order but pre-order in the states and then i think it's it's going out on february the 19th so if anybody pre-orders now they'll get it around february the 19th um barnes and nobles bookshop.org um tastemate.com uh, yeah, and then they, they, if people are interested in finding out more about me, www.david-raman.com, and then I'm on Facebook, uh, Mind Coach, and I'm on Instagram as David Raman. Yeah, so yeah, please interact and uh, support the journey. I'd love them to, and love to hear about your journey as well. Well, folks, this has just been a great conversation with David Rahman. As he just said, you can find his book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere else where this incredible book is going to be out. If you're in the U.S., February 19th, so make sure you pre-order. With that, folks, we will see you next week with USAPL champion Dennis Cornelius. Well, folks, this was just a great conversation with David Rahman. You can find him on Instagram at David underscore Rahman, and you can find his new book, Let It Go, on Amazon in the U.S. and in the U.K. Be sure to let both of us know what you think of it. If you love that episode and you're craving a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast, of course, on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast, or you can visit us on Instagram at Faith underscore Fitness underscore podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for season five. We have a brilliant guest list for this half of the season, so don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening, and I will see you next week with powerlifting legend Steve Goggins.